Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. We've been here before. We've been here many times before, but it's different. It's always different. Uh, my name's John, uh, and of course today you probably already know that Watford have sacked uh, Slavan Bilic as the Watford head coach and have hired Chris Wilder as the new head coach until the end of the season. He has 11 games and we're going to discuss about the exit and, of course, the entrance of the new Watford head coach. I am joined from Burke Hampstead Football Club by Jason and Mike. Evening. All right, John. Well, Chris, is, Chris Wilder has either got 11, 13 or hopefully 14 games, hasn't he, of course? You there for the Senior Cup game. How's it going so far? Badly. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of an understatement. It's, uh, it's getting increasingly cold. The, the pitch looks like concrete. It's uh, sub-zero temperatures. Um, and Watford's performance is sub-zero as well. They're um, mimicking the first team. Uh, not much of a goal threat, but um, have shipped three uh, already. It's not even half-time yet. Berkhamstead, it needs to be pointed out, actually. Fair play to, to Berko. They have won every single home game in the league so far this season. I think they, they, which equates to 20 matches, 20 home games in a row they've won. So, on incredible form. Uh, and uh, unfortunately for us, that's continuing in the Hearts Senior Cup. It doesn't look like Watford are going to get their hands on this bit of silverware this season, that's for certain. No, it is, a, it is an interesting sort of a competition. Some take it differently and more serious to others. But uh, normally for Watford, it is, it is a bunch of young boys. Are they under-21s? Are they mainly under-18s, Mike? Uh, it's, it's a mixture, I think, of the two, isn't it? It's billed as an under-21s. Um, Toby's there, Toby Adeyemu's up there, um, uh, leading the line. Bit forlorn at the moment, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully, they'll, uh, hopefully they can wrestle it back and... Uh, and turn it into a bit more of a contest. But having watched Watford recently, at least there's some goals in this one. We're just thankful for a bit of action. <laughs> and joining us from his home, uh, not at Burke Hampstead, um, only we could wish we had the incomes to live in Burke Hampstead, uh, is DCW. Evening. Evening. So we, we're going to discuss this. You know, let, let's go with Slavan first, boys. We, we did sort of, Mike, on Saturday, talk as if he was going. And yeah. that's not us being clever about it. That's us sort of... You know, vibing what what is like being a Watford fan, but yeah. what what we saw for you though, I'm not going to ask the normal question I ask in these situations. Are you surprised? Because I know you're not. But what what do you reckon it was that that broke the camel's back, the straw? Yeah, I mean, I was utterly utterly convinced as that game unfolded on Saturday that, that Slavin Bilic wasn't long for the for the job, and it's. And it's for the reason you alluded to, John. We're not surprised because we know how Gino Pozzo operates. And I could just, I could get into his headspace. Look, imagine him watching this game and and seeing promotion or any even the remotest chance of promotion slipping away, minute by minute. And and for all the things we do and don't know about Gino Pozzo, what we do know is that he's not going to sit there in his office or wherever he is, watch a game like that and go, oh, well, never mind, don't worry about this season, let's, <laughs> let's go again next year. That's not where, where he's ever been. It's certainly not going to be where he is this year, where Watford have got financial pressures that we will have never experienced in the, in the, in the Pozzo era. He's not just going to give up on a chance to get back into the Premier League. Um, and if he'd have kept Slavin Bilic, on, he would have been doing exactly that. So... Absolutely not surprised, and I think the reason he's done it is is for the reasons we spoke about on Saturday. He is rolling the dice because he's desperate to get to get Watford back into the into the Premier League. What he's seeing is now he's got an eleven or thirteen or fourteen game mini season to propel Watford back into the Premier League, um, and he's of the opinion still that changing manager will result in a uh, in a in a bounce in in performance. 
and he's done exactly what we thought thought we'd, he'd do. He is going for the Premier League. He is gambling for the Premier League. But but that said, we have to have to caveat all that with just how bad Watford had been under under Slavin Bilic, culminating in that almost impossibly feeble performance against Preston on on Saturday. So no surprise, and we all know what what he's going for. It's it's the Premier League or bust. Jason, what, what do you think he did? You know, in the entirety of his time as Watford head coach, what did he get wrong? Was it all him? I mean, we, we always we always have to say that, don't we? It was always something we always have as Watford fans, where oh, maybe it was that, maybe it was that. What what you know? We know that we lost lots of players with injury. Is there anything else you think he did wrong? We talked a lot about this, didn't we? It's Saturday, I think it, it comes to the same thing again. I use that word culture in terms of. Was he ever in a position where he was going to succeed? You'd almost have to question that because of everything that's gone on before. But still, the players are there. We, we talk about this, this, this talent that we've got, this attacking lineup, the fact that we've got players, we've got a squad that really at the start of the season should be challenging for automatic promotion. And it just feels like we didn't play to the best of our abilities. Now, is that because of the way Slav's told them to play? You feel, when you watch them play, you feel that that, that was the case at times. But equally, some of the decision making that we've that, that we've seen from the players it, during games, you know, surely Slav is not telling them to play that way. Surely he's not telling them to go for the, the the options where we look like we can attack and cause trouble. Surely he's not telling them to to make stupid decisions. Kamara's red cards, things like that. You know, it, 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 I I think it's a mixture, but it comes down to this thing that we talked about on Saturday again. For me, it's culture. He hasn't, he, he hasn't got a tune out of what is demonstrably, and we have to say it now, on paper, a, a really, really strong side. And it is only a strong side or squad on paper because we simply haven't seen it. Slavin Bilic hasn't been able to get a tune out of them. Rob Edwards wasn't able to get a tune out of them. Roy Hodgson wasn't able to get a tune out of them. Claudio Ranieri wasn't able to get a, get a tune out of them. Cisco wasn't able to get a tune out of them in the, in the Premier League. You could argue about whether th- th- he, was, he was the right choice to, to lead Watford into the Premier League. But there's a, there's a real pattern there. Decent players at their disposal and a complete inability to meld them into anything like what, what they should be. And, and Jason's absolutely right. And I know we need to talk about Slavin Bilic um, on this podcast and, and his impact because he's the, the man in the headlines. But it, it's, it's a recurring theme. And you asked, John, could he have done anything, anything differently? Well, I'm, he probably could. I think that the tactics were, were, were demonstrably missing. It felt to me like he was telling the, best, the good players, the attackers, to say, well, you're decent players, go out there and make something happen. Seemed to be the sum total of the, of the approach. But, but he suffered in the same way that so many other Watford head coaches have suffered. On the, on the face of it, all the tools there to succeed. But... Despite that, a, 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 an almost relentless inability to be able to do it. And I think there's enough noise from enough sort of different sources to piece together that things aren't right at the football club. And we've, we've, we've talked at length about culture over the summer, then again when Rob went, and, and of course previous to that. And I think we, we just really need to be aware that there is obviously something pretty badly wrong there. Because... You talk about, you know, you say, well, I could manage Man City with the players they've got. And, and, and there is an element of... <laughs> there is an element of, I might not be able to. Who knows? <laughs> um, but you should, you should be able to get a tune out of, out of the players that Watford have got. And it's, it's not happening far too often for it to be as simple for me 
as as changing the changing the manager. But I, I don't think Slav helped himself. I don't think Bilic helped himself at all. He it, the sides looked quite frankly, and this is this is reductive. But really, they looked they looked clueless. DCW, you went on the podcast on the weekend. How are you, how are you feeling about about this? Are you just sanguine about it because that's what happens? Yeah, I think I am actually. I think I've become so used to this situation that I'm I'm sort of completely at peace with the universe that we now live in. You can have a you can have a discussion about whether the long-term strategy of the club is increasingly untenable, whether we're ever going to achieve what Juno wants to achieve with this with this situation that we're now in. But we are in it. It's not going to change. So the only option available to us and the only only option available to Gino with the situation that he has made for himself is to do what he's done. And that's to roll the dice, as Mike said, uh, and that's to have have a go. And it feels to me like completely the right decision. It was abundantly clear that for whatever reason, I'm sure Slavin Bilic would give would, would put forward an argument of mitigating circumstances or whatever. But for whatever reason, we are not you know, we were not going to be promoted with the way things were going. We're going backwards. We're getting further away from the playoff pack. Other teams are demonstrably better set up, better coached, more cohesive all around us. We've got a lot of on paper winnable games, so we've got to do something. And he's done something and he's gone for you know, it's it's a swift appointment as is as is customary under under Gino. We've become used to that. And he's gone for a manager who has experience of getting the team out of the Premier League in recent seasons is at his best, a very good coach. There's always an element of a gamble with it, of course. And Watford are a very different kettle of fish to the Sheffield United team that Chris Wilder had. Very different even to the Middlesbrough team that he had. But I am in support of the decision to get rid of Bilic at this stage. And I'm in support of the decision to hire Chris Wilder. If you look at it from Gino's perspective, it's almost like he can't lose. I mean, what's, what's, the, what's the worst that can happen under Wilder is that we don't get promoted. We're not going down, are we? Are we? <laughs> um, we Mike? But, we, but, but yeah, we, we, the worst thing that happens is we're not going to get promoted, which we, as I think we all agree, we're not going to get promoted under, uh, under Slav. So, yeah, he might as well go for it. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting short-term appointment. I mean, yeah, cue the jokes about every Watford managerial appointment is a short-term appointment, but it could go one of two ways as well, couldn't it? Because it's, it's, he, he's signed on until the end of the season. Um, it's interesting. The the appointment could potentially go one of of two ways in terms of the the fact that it's a short term appointment as well. We know he's only going to be there till the end of the end of the season, which potentially is probably why Chris Wilder accepted it. He knows what he's been brought into. He's effectively been parachuted in as a as a supply head teacher, if you like, to to with with Ofsted coming round the round the corner, isn't it? One for the uh, one for the school people out there, but. Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> Spot the manager to become a governor of a, of a school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God help us all. Um, but that's exactly that's, that's effectively what he's been done done to do. Is it, it's it's clear for absolutely everyone. There's no doubt that this is a short term appointment. The players will know that. Wilder will know that. Supporters will know that. That could go. That could work in our favour because it could be like right. Let's just galvanise for this short period of time and see what we can do. Or it could could sort of regress to, to the mean if you like which is players sort of like, well he's not going to be here at the end of the season the chances are we're not going to go up we haven't turned it on all season why are we going to change now so I think it would be fascinating to see the immediate impact that Wilder has because quite frankly it's going to have to be immediate for this season to to end the way that anyone wants it to we are fast running out of road and 
not only are we sort of fast running out of road, we're pointing the wrong way on the road that we have got left, judging from the performance on, on Saturday. So I'm, initially I thought, well, that, it makes perfect sense in terms of what Gino, I thought Gino would want to do, to make this mini-season, get someone in, get the bounce, and then he can leave if he wants, having, having done the job. I'll be fascinated to see uh, the impact that, that, that has. I'm, I'm, I, just, I just feel like the, this bounce, this impact that, that new managers have is becoming less and less and less as, the, as time and, and, and seasons progress. DCW, we said 11 games left to go, which is, is a lot of game. That's, that's 33 points available up for grabs. Could you have justified it at a different time before, before t- today? Maybe, but I think, I think we've all felt in the last few weeks that this is the natural sort of time for it to happen. I think we, there was a lot of conversation between us and, and it across the, the wider fan base as well, sort of around that Preston game of like, OK, 12 games to go. Uh, on paper, a game at home against a team in Preston who are very average, don't score a lot of goals should be beating them and then we should kick on because before that we'd had a little run of tough games before that we'd had the injuries so there were points where you could say well look give him time give him patience um, but really since we've come back from the World Cup or since that break we've not been very good that's the bottom line we've had a few little moments and little flashes here and there but generally the trend has been a downward one so I think it is the right time to do it now don't wait to see if we beat QPR, who themselves are on a bad run. I think they've lost the last five, actually. They've recently got a new manager. Gareth Ainsworth has gone back to back to his former club and he'll be looking for his first win. So it'll be a tough game for Wilder on Saturday. But I think it's, I think it's, I think it's the right time because, as the guys have said, it, 11 games is it's enough to, to try and build something and, and get into the playoffs. We're only four points outside of them. We've got a lot. We don't have, we've got a lot of games against teams beneath us in the table obviously we've got that big game against Luton to come up as well but um, I think it is the right time and I can see why maybe Gino wanted to perhaps give Slaven a bit more time to get it to get it done and to, and to turn things round but it's just I think Saturday was just clearly uh, the, the final straw could it have happened before? Absolutely it could have happened before because under Slaven Bilic, if you look back over his tenure and, and Dave mentioned that the form since the World Cup break and it's it, right to do so because that sort of brings it into, gives it some parameters if you like. But off the top of my head, we've got Stoke, we've got Luton and we've got that, that, that backs against the wall performance against Norwich. That is it. That really is it for, for, for games that you'd even want to watch two-minute highlights of, let alone um, anything longer than that. The, his, his reign has been subpar, really. And yes, obviously there's been the injuries and, and, and so on and so forth and the, the problems around that. But, but really, it's just been so far off it that, that it's, it could have happened at any time really that there's been no sort of consistency the only consistency has been sort of insipid performances so it really for me it could have happened at any time it takes us back to the wider point that they're getting this so badly wrong at some level whether it's the man that they're bringing in the coach that they're bringing in or whether it's the the culture and the the tools that are being provided to the the head coach and the 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 club at large to deliver a side that can perform it's it's just not there, is it? And, and so it could have happened three weeks into his reign, quite quite frankly, because it's it's just been naff. But but then again, Watford as a, and I'm not just talking about on the team. The whole the whole club has felt that's not fair. That that on the pitch output has been naff for a considerable amount of time. 
really and it's, it's where we go from here is a, is, a, is a massive massive issue for me I know it's I'm looking at the bigger picture when we need to be a little bit more zoned in this evening as we talk about the, 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 the events that have unfolded but I don't think we can have this conversation without recognising the very very clear issues that are there that are preventing seemingly any head coach from succeeding or that or, or the, the right person being brought in Dave, with your job at The Athletic, you know, you, you sort of speaking to lots of people. Let's talk about Chris. Chris. Hi, Chris. How are you? My name's John. Yeah. Let's talk about Chris. Um, what, what, what's he going to bring? I mean, I, I jokingly said, how long until we say overlapping centre-backs? Um, because that was the buzzy thing that everyone knows about Sheffield United. But what, what are we getting, do you think? And why him? Why now, do you think? He's the man for now. Well, he's probably one of the best available sort of top-end championship managers on the market. He, he's been doing a bit of media recently, which is always a sign that someone's keen to get back in, as they say. <laughs> it, obviously, he did an amazing job at Sheffield United. He got them promoted back-to-back from League One into the Premier League. And then in the first season in the Premier League, they finished uh, ninth, I think. And they were, in with, they were in with a shout of, genuine shout of European football for a long, long parts of that season. Obviously, that, that season was the was the season that got halted by COVID and probably like a lot of teams like us, it probably didn't help them that they had that break at that time, but he did an amazing job, but then it all fell apart quite spectacularly the next season in that, in that season without any fans. Because I saw Sheffield United a couple of times in that initial good burst of uh, when they were playing well in the Premier League and what they looked like they, was, it was a team that was so together and so committed to the cause. I, th- I think I saw them at Chelsea and they were 2-0 down and they came back to win, not to win, to draw 2-0 with, with a late goal. And there's just that belief and that sort of understanding that they, were, they had to dig in and they had to deliver for the shirt they're wearing. And if, and if Chris Wilder can deliver that at Watford, then we might be, we might be in, in business. But the, the concern, obviously, is, Dave, that, you, that, that it, uh, it dissipated quite quickly. Jace is desperate yeah, to Yeah, I'd say you feel, you feel that, that that is a massive ask when you look at yeah. what we've seen served up in recent weeks. That getting a performances like that to get them to sort of have a bit of fight and spirit. And well, I mean, I did say on, on Saturday that I, I think I gave them eight for commitment. You could see them trying <laughs> but are they trying for each other is is that there is there something for Chris to build on I don't think so I think he's got to start almost at the very bottom in regard with regards to that and he's, he's got a tough ask in doing that yeah definitely and I think it's a different challenge for him now than the ones that he's faced at his previous two clubs and especially at Sheffield United he took over when they were at their absolute lowest ebb as a club the fans were sort of revolting against the players and the whole situation had not been good they've been stuck in league one for ages and he came in as the local man the the it was his boyhood club it was a big thing about him he had other options at the time i think he was just about to join charlton at the time but he sort of reneged on that u-turn last minute because he couldn't ignore the call from his from his club and i think that that his whole success was built at sheffield united on bringing the club back together and being that figure that everyone could rally behind and unite and the players bought into that and that tight-knit group of players as you said Mike were very together 
they they had a very specific tactical system which was obviously talked about a lot in terms of the overlapping center backs but it, it was a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2 most of the width came from the wing backs and then the center backs would also join in and create overloads in in wide areas so that the obvious thing for us to say is what happened the last time we employed a manager who likes to play a three at the back with wing backs <laughs> start the season we all saw how that went we've still got the same players we still don't have a right a proper right wing back um and we've got Kamara who can do that job for us on the left, but obviously we know the problems he's had this season. Ken can play there. Morris probably hasn't played as a wing-back, out-and-out wing-back many times in his short career. God knows who we play on the right. Are our centre-backs capable of overlap- overlapping? Uh, maybe Hurt and, and Porteous perhaps, but certainly not Craig. I don't know. It's, it, it, it's, it's obviously not a perfect situation. Is he even going to use that system with these players? He might decide that short-term, I'm going to try and do something a bit different. I don't know how much he used it at Middlesbrough. I think he tried to do it a bit. And when he came in at Middlesbrough, which is obviously the job that he took after he'd been sacked at Sheffield United, although, again, that situation unraveled for him and he and he ended up leaving after not even having a year in charge. When he came in at the back end of the season, when he took over, he was flying. And I, I've seen a lot of Middlesbrough fans on Twitter tonight talking about how great he was for them. He, I think they had a good run in the FA Cup that season. They tailed off. They didn't quite get into the playoffs that season, but they, he started on fire and came out of the blocks really quickly, which is what he needs to do for, for us. And then I think it all went wrong at, at Middlesbrough for him because he was linked with the Burnley job when Dyche left Burnley and also I think Bournemouth as well at the time they changed their manager. He was linked with both of those jobs and he didn't downplay it publicly and it all got a bit messy and it, that was seen as the turning point for him and he never really recovered but I don't think it was really a footballing thing it was more a sort of an off the pitch head turn sort of situation but there's no doubt that he's that if he has the opportunity to build a team in the way he wants then he's shown that he can do it really well I picked out a few lines from from the piece that our Sheffield United writer at the Athletic wrote about Wilder's sort of time at the club after he'd been sacked, kind of big sort of post-mortem piece. And there was one line that was very interesting in there, was that he was a manager that likes to be involved in every single aspect of the club, right down to like picking, you know, the youth coaches for the youth teams and that sort of level of detailed day-to-day involvement. And he began to become disgruntled at Sheffield United when there was first suggestions of, of them moving to a director of football model. So he's stepping into a situation at Watford that, in the past, he has seemed to be, un, you know, seemed to seemingly been unhappy with at previous clubs. But he will be alive to the fact that this is a different club. He will know that Watford is a different setup. He will be looking for an opportunity to show him, you know, to get back in at a decent club, decent level. And if he gets us through this part of the season, get, if he gets us up, then happy days, you crack on. But even if he doesn't, and we come close, maybe he gets the chance to be here next season, or. Maybe he gets the chance to go to another club in the summer. I don't know. But it will be interesting to see I mean, how not, it plays out. not going to get any of the things that you've just mentioned there that he enjoyed and, and, and were, were attributed to his success. He's not going to have time. He's not going to have any new players to, to come in. He's going to get what he's given. He's going to have what we suspect is a fairly oppressive um, situation to work in in terms of people having uh, their input on the on the club and the team and and so on and so forth. So, but like the one saving grace, like you say, Dave, is that he Chris Wilder has been around the block enough times to to know what the reality is at Watford. He will have spoken to enough people um, to know what he's getting himself into and what is expected of him and what he will have to do to to deliver it. And 
it's probably the fact that it is a 11 slash 13 slash 14 game appointment that he's that he's gone for it. What and it's, I guess in that way, it's almost it's quite a unique appointment because it's it very rarely happens when when there's such a defined time frame and defined outcome that is that is required, isn't it? And I, I guess for for a head coach or a manager that could be quite appealing because whichever way it goes for Chris Wilder, he's not going to if he gets Watford into the playoffs and then if he gets Watford up, then he then obviously he's a hero and his stocks right back up there again as the man that can get teams out of the championship. If he doesn't and fails dismally, it's well, it's Watford the basket case. What do you, what do you expect? I don't think anyone lo- got a question for you on that on that Go very on. point. Do you think we're now getting to a situation where? Because of the situation is so widely known with Watford, the, the high turnover of managers, that whereas before you might have said, oh, we've got no chance of getting this manager, no chance of getting that manager. Why would they come to Watford? They know they're not going to get time. Are certain managers looking at us now and thinking, what have I got to lose? No one will reflect badly on me if I get sacked. I'll get a bit of money, whatever happens. So I might as well just go in and give it a try. With them sort of almost knowing from the outset that this probably isn't going to work. Yeah, I mean, look at the number of you know, managers who've left Watford and are in good employment. Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't do anything bad for them to be manager of Watford. Um, it's it's the and the, you know for Chris, it's a, it's the perfect storm to to come into. What we don't want is that to be the only way we hire good managers. You know, going back to who was the last long term manager we had, it was Havi. I, I I think you're right, Dave. I mean, he, he, if you've got a, as long as your manager's got a good agent, <laughs> we know Gino's a a tough negotiator, but if you yeah get your uh, get your severance pay in order, then why wouldn't you come along and, and look for a payday and an opportunity to to succeed? Where, well, what we say in the last nine, eight or nine have, have pretty much failed based on on the longevity in the in the job. So yeah, why why wouldn't you give it a go? Like you say, nothing to lose. Because we're on we're on fifty one points at the moment, and I sort of went back and looked at the average. What is sixth place? At least sixth place, and it can vary anywhere between. It's about I reckon on average it's about seventy five. It has been as high as eighty. It has been as low as about seventy. So there's quite a, a range there. He's got eleven games, and Pete Joyless Jones he sent us a message. Eleven games to go. What's he going to achieve? Five wins, two draws, four losses. Makes sort of sense. Seventeen points, and it won't be enough to make us make the playoffs. I think that's probably looking at it a bit harshly in terms of the type of division we're in at the moment and this year's championship, what that one looks like. is of course, varies every single year. Is that, Dave, it, you know, if you had to look how big a job it, he has, you said four points off the playoffs. Do you think it's a massive job that he has to do? Yeah, I think it's an enormous challenge because a lot of, a lot of teams around us are getting results and are playing well. And... It's funny, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you say, oh, well, we're playing teams beneath us in the table. In some ways, you'd almost rather be playing teams around you so you can take points off them at the same time as gaining points yourself. So we've got to win a lot of games. We have to go on a big run. And that's the one thing we've not been able to do this season is put together a proper four, five, six, seven game, you know, winning run or like winning five and drawing two, whatever. Like, Four, five, six. That's, that sounds like the formation exactly. we're going to need to be playing. Yeah. <laughs> but we've, got, we've, we've got to win most of our games, really. If, if, we, if we're to cement a playoff spot, you know, hopefully we can just have the opportunity to be in there on the last day at least. 
but it is only four points so things could change really quickly if other teams around us lose and we win two in a row bang you're back in so things can change quick but it it no doubt about it it's a real challenge to overcome, to overcome four points though that's two games whichever way whichever way you slice it and then once those two games are gone there's nine left so if you don't do it straight away yeah i think like you said dave as well we need to go on what on a four five six game run we what we've done that at a four game run not long after Billich started, but we've not looked like doing that at all at any point in the season other than that. And that, that's, that's the real challenge for me. I, I just can't see us doing it. It's an, it's an enormous job, John, to answer, to answer your question. It is a massive, massive challenge. And I think if anyone was a, uh, was, was a, a betting disposition, they wouldn't put any, any, any chunky sum on, on Watford getting into, into the playoffs at this stage. I mean, I guess the saving grace is going back to those players that, we, that we've got access to. Can they find it within themselves not within themselves but can they turn it on can Chris Wilder get a, get a tune out of them at long long last um, and again you know you can tell just by just, I'm just thinking listening to the way we're the way we're talking this evening usually there's a there's a there's a sort of a little at least a little bit of excitement or interest or something that's been reignited when there, when there's been a head, head coach change but there, there isn't really that from any of us this evening it's all very matter of fact and sort of kind of got an eye to what's going to happen after Chris Wilder almost if 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 I had to sort of assess the assess the tone so I don't think any of us expecting the players to to all of a sudden turn it on but of course they can and we know what football's like we know what sport is like if you do get a little bit of momentum if Watford do turn up at QPR and and sort them out away from home there'll be a noisy boisterous Watford following there there's Birmingham and Troy coming back so there's a bit of a bit of a story there for the game after that and then there's of course there's Luton well actually before that before Luton Mike he's got three games in basically well he's got 10 days until the international break 10, 11 days, and he's got three games this week. QPR away, then Birmingham, then Wigan at home. So then he has another couple of weeks to be able to add something to it. So it is, you know, maybe this this first couple of games isn't about implementing the overlapping centre-backs, but maybe it's just purely about him making some very simple changes, hopefully, to make the, you know, to see something he, no one, or Slavan didn't see, to make some changes to make it, a successful team because you know that that's all he can do in the time he's got. I'll then, take the first session. Keenan, Ismailer, <laughs> Joe. That you see that thing there? That's the goal. <laughs> this is a ball. Put it put it in there. There you go. There you go. Job done. But maybe he'll do that. Uh, but then he's then he's got some time to to maybe work with them, give the boys a few days off, and then bring them in to maybe implement something a bit bit longer term for those final nine games that he'll have no sorry eight games that he'll have after the international break so we are as you might say Mike we're a little bit you know are we are we are you any higher at all since Saturday no I'm not because I, I, I was convinced that this this was coming and the reason I was convinced it's coming is because of the an overall malaise that has that has set in at the, at the football club that has resulted in us being in this in this situation so I'm not um, higher. I'm not excited. I'm, you know, I will always remain hopeful. I mean, the bottom line is we go to the football because 
we enjoy it. It's good fun. We get to see our mates, we get to see family, we get to spend time together. It gives us something to talk about. So I'm looking forward to that, of course, and I'm hopeful. I want to see us win games. There'd be nothing I would love more than to see Watford sneak into the playoffs and, 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 and go deep into the, into the playoffs. I'm pretty sure everyone's written us off as a, as, a, as, a, as a going concern, really, this season. So it wouldn't have surprised me if Watford upset that sort of championship apple cart a little bit by finding some form at the most unlikely of times, and nothing would delight me more. It would, uh, you know, I'm buzzing at the thought of it. But the reality is it's, it just feels sort of the next chapter in a sort of unsatisfactory volume in, 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 in Watford's sort of recent history. And it's, it's difficult to get, to get too excited other than the sort of that, that, that day-to-day, game-to-game excitement of just looking forward to seeing, seeing how the lads, lads do. So, look, I think Dave's right. I think in terms of who could we have got in at this stage... Probably looking at a, a, a decent appointment. I don't know who we could have got in that would have been better. Who we would have got in that come in that would have, would have agreed to it. Who could have come in that's got experience in uh, in galvanising sides and getting them out of the championship. So fair play to them in that regard. The, the big issue that we cannot avoid for for any longer is why are we here again? One difference, Dave, was the fact that Ben Manga's name was on the press release uh, statement from the from the club, not Gino's. Not Scots, but in fact, it was a name on it, and often there aren't names attached to those sorts of things. But do you find it interesting that it was as I as I have that it was it was his name on that statement? Yeah, definitely. And going forward, it would be interesting, perhaps as we get to the summer, to sort of find out a bit more about exactly what the sort of balance of power is at the moment internally within the club. But Manga's clearly come in with a reputation. He appears at least, to, to have some sort of say in the situation. So it's interesting that they've chosen to put his name on the statement, but come on, we all know what's happened here. It's still Gino calling the shots. At the end of the day, where this leaves Scott Duxbury, I don't know. Really wouldn't be surprised if this, you know, by next season he has decided to take on a new challenge elsewhere. I don't know, maybe not, but that's just my sort of feeling. Um, but Manga... He came in sort of midway through this season. He's had a little bit of an impact in terms of some of the players that we brought in clearly, but he's still be sort of feeling his way, getting his feet under the desk. And it's interesting. Yeah, it, is, it was the thing I noticed on that statement, definitely. But I think we need to kind of find out a bit more about his role going forward. Um, and I mentioned earlier about Wilder's sort of previous disquiet working for a director of football. So that relationship will be interesting. So, Jason, he's got this game on Saturday. We, we we couldn't figure out what we wanted to happen uh, and what was going to happen. Well, what what, what we would we do differently uh, with this Watford squad? Do you think there's one thing you can imagine a man like Chris Wilder sorting out between now and Saturday? I think it's probably starting what I what I mentioned earlier and what Dave was talking about in terms of that togetherness. Uh, they they you would imagine they're probably in a pretty low place sort of seeing another manager change. And the guys that are, have just come in as well, Porches and Hoots and, and Rouge come in, Underslav, and now they've got, yeah, very quickly early in their Watford careers, they're, they're, they're seeing a, a, a new manager come in. So they're probably in a low place. They know what they need to do. I think the first thing he's got to do is to get them up. Um, get them up for the game on Saturday, regardless of any tactics, however he wants to play, is to get that mentality and that mindset right so that they're on it. Michael, are you looking forward to Saturday? 
Yeah, yeah, because it, despite what I said earlier, it is another. It is another sort of. It's not a fresh start because it's still Watford. It's still got all the the, the myriad problems that that that, we, that we've spoken about. But yeah, I'm excited to see <clears throat> whether he can turn things around because I think he's going to have to do it quickly. And I think we'll have a, a, a decent idea fairly early on as to whether he's going to have the impact that um, that Gino Pozzo wants him to to have. So look, it's it's a good opportunity. We've, all Watford fans have made the joke this week when you've seen QPR talking about their form and how bad what what a bad run they're on. Enter Watford Football Club with their <laughs> customary gift wrapped <laughs> altruistic approach to teams who are who are struggling. But it seen past the sort of vague gallows humour. It's a good opportunity for a Watford side with good players in it to go and get a decent result and and, and kickstart this this new regime. So I am excited to to see what happens. Probably more intrigued than than excited, perhaps. But like any Watford match, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope uh, hope that finally, 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 we can we can get something get something going. Thank you much, you boys. What's it still three 0 there? Steve, still, still three yeah, nil. Still yeah. three nil. Okay. Watford came out very, very early for the sec- for the second half, which probably tells you all you need to know about their uh, their first half performance. But the hosts very much in control here at Broadwater. <laughs> uh, we, we're at one end of the uh, ground here. There is a dog walking around the uh, the terrace. Something you don't see every see every day in a football ground. Just thought I'd mention that. And I think he just um, he. Well, there's himself. no polite way of doing it. Yeah, he went to the he went to the he went to the bathroom, which is perfectly, uh, which is probably the perfect uh, metaphor, if you like, for for Watford season uh, so far. Unfortunately, oh, hang on, here comes Chris Wilder to pick pick it up with a poo bag. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to this little extra podcast that we've done uh, on the day that Slavan Bilic was fired as Watford head coach, and we welcomed Chris Wilder to Vicarage Road and we'll of course see as part of this podcast how we react what we feel about this Watford team uh, will it change under Wilder I think their main idea is probably not enough uh, and we'll speak to you again after the weekend come on you ones <laughs>